Welcome to the Preaching Podcast. I'm Paul Robinson, and I hope you're doing well. Uh, today, the message is going to be about spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts, that's one of those things where, uh, you know, Christians can be confused about it because you have uh, two different passages about spiritual gifts. And there's always that question like, oh, what about tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and, you know, uh, certain things that's like, is that for today or not? So really, this message uh, talks about that, and, and it's going to cover the, the gifts that have passed off the scene, you know, and, and, and so this message is going to cover that and it's going to talk about why spiritual gifts are so important and why we, we need to be using them today and uh, how important it is that you know what your spiritual gift is or gifts plural. <laughs> and uh, so, so this, this message is going to answer all those questions. So if, if you have any concerns, you know, if you've been wondering about uh, spiritual gifts, uh, this message is for you. So I know it's going to be a great blessing. So without further ado, here's the message, the truth about spiritual gifts. The human body is an amazing thing, isn't it? You've got the heart that beeps, uh, I mean pumps, that pumps your, your, and you have your uh, blood, circulates your blood to all the different parts of your body. Boy, that's important. Without the heart, you, you know, you, you wouldn't uh, be... And then you've got your, your brain, and your brain's very important because your brain sends signals to every part of your body so that your body functions properly. Uh, you also want to be alive without your brain. And uh, then you've got your limbs, your hands, your feet, uh, your, your fingers. You think about how important your fingers are and able, uh, able to type and able to write things and able to do things, carry things. Your feet give you mobility to move around, all right? They all work together. Uh, you also have your eyes, which you're able to see things, and uh, you know you, you you've got your two eyes. You know, not just one big eye, like a cyclops. You got your two eyes, but your brain fills in the little space in between, so you can see that. Uh, pretty amazing. You've got your ears that you're able to hear. You've got your you know, you can smell with your nose, uh, hopefully. All right, and and, and then uh, you also have uh, your teeth that you can, allows you to eat, chew up your food, and your tongue allows you to taste the flavor of the food, amen. And, uh, you know, and, and you've got all the innards in here that you swallow the food and it all, you know, works it, it perfect, it's just like a machine, just beautiful. It, it truly is amazing. And also, if you, if you get a cut on your skin, a scab forms. That is, it, it's like a, a human Band-Aid. And the scab forms, you know, and you got to tell kids, don't pick the scab, don't pick the scab, because then it'll bleed. But you just let that heal, and then what happens is the scab shrinks and shrinks, and it's gone. And it just heals itself. Isn't it amazing? And, and the human body is so complex and so intricately des designed that it points to a creator, doesn't it? I mean, you know, the world would have you think that, oh, it just, we just all happened to fall into place. It just happened by chance. And we know that's ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. When your human, the human body is so complex and intricately designed. And you know what? The church is called the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ. You see, the church is not an organization. It is an organism, a living, breathing body. And Jesus himself is the head of the church 
and we are the members of that body. You know, we're the arms and the legs and the, and the heart and the, the lungs and the, uh, the, even the little toes and the little fingers, all, all the parts of that body. And you know what? You want every part of your body, no matter how insignificant, you want every part of your body working properly, right? Because if something is not working, no matter how small it might be, it is going to give you pain and problems. Even if you stub your little toe, you know how important, how painful that is. You stub your toe, you find out how important that is. Every part of the body is important. You want everything working properly. And, and that's exactly what the Apostle Paul talks about here in Romans chapter 12. He's talking about the body of Christ, the church. Uh, notice he says in verse 5, So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So he says, yeah, we're, we're many people. We have many people here, but we're just actually all one body. One body of, uh, and it is the body of Christ, the church, and Jesus is the head. Now, uh, the head, of course, is kind of what's in charge, right? You have a body, the head's in charge, your brain's in charge, or it should be. And uh, the, the brain, of course, is what causes everything else to, to work together, you know. Uh, it signals all the other parts of the body. So obviously, Jesus is in charge of the church, you know. He's the head of the church. The pastor is actually not in charge, right? It's Jesus who's in charge, and it's very important to, to remember that, and then we are just the members of that body working together, just as you want all the members of your body working together, uh, functioning properly. And he talks about gifts here. Uh, he talks about different gifts, and it's very important that we understand the spiritual gifts that we have are to edify the body of Christ, to build up the church. That's what it's for. And so tonight we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts, we're going to talk about uh, what they are and exactly uh, how they work. And we're also going to talk about some errors and some misconceptions and some just falsehoods when it comes to spiritual gifts as well. There's a lot of that out there. So we're going to talk about that as well. Let's get into spiritual gifts. There are seven spiritual gifts that are listed here, seven gifts. Uh, so let's go through these. The first one is called prophecy, prophecy. Now, before the Bible was complete, prophecy had two parts. You had foretelling, that was predicting future events, and then forthtelling, that would be declaring God's word. Well, the latter is actually the main role of prophecy. Even in the Old Testament, the prophet's main ministry was to preach the truth. In some cases, they foretold future events as they preached. Today, we have the complete revelation of God to man recorded in the Bible and the spiritual gift of prophecy is a call from God to declare His Word to others. People with the spiritual gift of prophecy are passionate to declare the Word of God. And again, it really is a calling. It really is a calling, and God calls you to preach. And what a wonderful thing that is to have the ability to stand up and preach the Word of God. Amen. So that is such a, a wonderful thing. And uh, we, we definitely have several people in the church who have been called to preach. Yeah, they have that calling of God. They have that spiritual gift that God's given them. Uh, number two, second gift here is ministry. And it's also called the gift of helps. Uh, this gift is a desire to serve and help people in a variety of ways, often volunteering service in 
unglamorous and underappreciated jobs. And let me tell you, never underestimate the importance of this spiritual gift. It's kind of, you know, just in the backgrounds, behind the scenes. Do you know what? I, I'm sure we have a lot of people in our church who have this particular gift. They don't want to be in the spotlight. They don't want to get up and preach or teach. They just want to work behind the scenes. They want to do what they can. They want to clean. They want to help someone. You know, uh, it could be any number of things, but it's the gift of ministry or the gift of helps. And so if you have a passion to serve behind the scenes, then that might be your gift. And again, I'm sure many have that gift. So that, and that's important. We, we don't want to downgrade that just because it's, you know, behind the scenes doesn't mean it's not important, right? Because there's a lot of things in your body that you don't see that are behind the scenes that are awfully important, right? So that's very important. Uh, the third thing here, the third gift is teaching, teaching. And this is the ability and desire to teach God's truth and help people understand how his word applies to their lives. And this spiritual gift requires diligent study and sound interpretation of Scripture. And it's, it's a very, very vital need for every local church. Every church needs to have teachers, Bible teachers. That, of course, we have our Sunday school teachers. And, you know, our Sunday school teachers, we didn't twist their arms. We didn't make them teach. You know, they wanted to teach because I believe they have the desire to teach the Word of God. And clearly, if you have a passion to teach the Word of God, you probably have the gift of teaching. You know, if, if you desire that, if you, if you want to get up in front of people and teach the Bible, that's a wonderful thing. And boy, we, we certainly need teachers, don't we? We need good teachers who study the Word of God and they know the Word of God and they can effectively teach it. Very important. Next, we have exhortation. Exhortation, this is the ability and desire to encourage others in the Christian life. And these Christians love to lift up others with positive words and deeds, and they are especially concerned with the heart. Uh, exhorters want to motivate others to love and serve God with wholehearted passion. And let me tell you, uh, we certainly have some of those in our church. You, you, you know who those are, right? Because those are the people that are always looking to encourage somebody and looking for somebody who's down and, oh, what's wrong? Let me. And they just encourage you and they pray with you and they give you a word of scripture. And uh, I, I remember I had a good friend in college who was so outgoing and he was extremely joyful and outgoing. And, and my word, he had the gift of exhortation. He was never... He was never down. He was always so excited. He was passionate, and he was also a soul winner. But, boy, he loved to encourage people. He would always encourage me. He'd, he'd encourage everybody, you know? And so these people kind of stand out, the encourager, the exhorters. And it's very, very important because I don't know about you, but sometimes I get discouraged. And so it's good when someone comes alongside to encourage me. And so those exhorters are very needed in the church. They come alongside, they help, uh, they help those who are hurting, and uh, they encourage, and, and they encourage the, the pastor too. They encourage the pastor and uh, the pastoral staff. Uh, they do great, great things. And so that is a wonderful gift from God, a spiritual gift of exhortation. Very important. And uh, also, they, they could also uh, exhort by, by giving the word of God as well. Uh, next, we have giving. Uh, giving, this is the ability and desire to give to God's work and God's people. is accompanied by the provision to give. 
Uh, these Christians are generous by nature, and they love to give to God's work. Those with this gift have great delight in unobtrusively giving to meet the needs of others and further the work of God. So these are people that they love to give. They're like, what? Is there a need in the church? Oh, there's a need? Oh, we need this, we need that? Okay, let me help you with that. And they, they are giving, whether uh, that's financial or some other way. Uh, probably financial, uh, because again, they, they have the, the means to give. And uh, boy, the, these people are very important as well. I mean, but givers. Now, that's not an excuse if you say, well, I don't have that gift, so I don't have to give to the Lord. That's not an excuse at all. Because uh, really, a lot of these spiritual gifts, uh, we, we all need to kind of have them to a certain extent. But of course, at salvation, you receive that spiritual gift that God gives to you. And uh, that one, it just comes to the forefront. But, but it's no excuse not to give. You can't say, well, I don't have the gift of giving, so I'm not going to give. You, 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 no, 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 that's not right. But, but once again, these are people that just they love to give. And they are willing to jump in and give uh, sacrificially, give willingly. Uh, the givers, very important, very important. And then we have ruling, uh, ruling. It's also called administration. Uh, and and you see that here. He says, "He that ruleth." Uh, so that's administration, the ability to lead and administrate part of God's work. It reveals itself through natural abilities to organize, think strategically, implement a plan, or coordinate teams of people. Uh, Christians with this gift have a God-given ability to manage and administrate, and they find great joy in seeing order and progress. Now, I already, I already know some of you are going to say, boy, that is not me because I kind of fly by the seat of my pants, and uh, that's okay. That's all right. Uh, some people are just, uh, you know, they're not organized. That's okay. And then you have some people that are just administers, and they're organized, and they're very particular. I'm not saying OCD or anything, but, you know, they're just very particular. And so the gift of administration, that's a wonderful, that's a great leadership quality there. They have the, uh, the spiritual gift of administration. And uh, that is, wow, that, 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 that's a wonderful thing when we have that. And I'll tell you, uh, we, we need those kind of Christians in the church. You can't have a whole church of everybody who's just not organized, you know what I mean? You, you need some in the church who are going to take the time to organize things and make sure that things are run properly. Uh, that's very important. And then uh, the last gift here is the gift of mercy. Okay, mercy. And this is the ability to feel the pain of others and help them during times of difficulty. Those with the gift of mercy are naturally good at empathizing with those carrying heavy burdens. They know what to say, and they know also when to be silent. And they have a strong desire to lift loads and minister to those who are suffering. So, wow, this is, this is very important as well in a church to have the gift of mercy. You know, you can see someone who is hurting and in pain and you come alongside them and you're just, uh, you might just sit there and just listen to them, you know, go on and on about their problems. Just listen to them. And, uh, boy, that, that, that's so important. And, uh, you know, not, not everybody's like that. And, but some people, some people you can see they have that specific gift of mercy to empathize, and, and I, I think that's very important. And so you might look at these, and uh, you might say, well, how do I know what spiritual gift I have? You know, what, what gift do I have? Well, a few things. <clears throat> First of all, you should observe to see what comes most naturally for you, because if you're saved, then you definitely have one spiritual gift, at least one or more, 
You know, I have them all. I'm just kidding. I really don't. I really don't. Uh, especially mercy. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. But, but you might just observe which one comes naturally, and also other people, other people might, might see it as well. Other people might see your gift and wow, hey, that's an exhorter right there. I saw them. They're really encouraging that person there. Oh, wow, he's a mercier. Boy, he's an administrator. Oh, my goodness. He just took the bull by the horns right there. And did you see how well he did that? You know, and so you can see other people can see a spiritual gift in you. And uh, I think that's, that's a, a very telltale sign as well. You can also take a spiritual gifts test. And I just happened to get one. And so I printed out a few copies. If you'd like, it's on the, the back table back there. Spiritual gifts test, just a few copies. You take that, and what it does is just ask, ask you questions, and, you know, least likely, most likely, and you write it down, and, uh, and it kind of helps you figure it out. You have to be really honest, though, in your answers. You have to be honest, okay? Uh, so you write that down, and then at the end it kind of tallies it up, and you see where you line up and which one uh, you line up most with. Now, that test is not infallible, so I, I'm, it's man-made, so I can't say for sure that that'll be accurate, but uh, it's just something to help you figure out what your spiritual gift is, because everyone needs to know what their spiritual gift is so they can be involved in the body of Christ, the local church. We need all of the members of this body working and functioning properly, amen? We know all the members, we want this to be a, a powerful, effective, healthy organism. That's what the church is, a living body. And so we all need to know what our spiritual gift is, and we all need to be working together to, to uh, contribute our gift uh, to, the, to the work of the ministry. That, that's so very important. So really, nobody can say here, oh, I don't have a spiritual gift. Sorry. Nope, can't do that. I can't help you. I'm completely useless. That's not true. Absolutely not true. Everyone has a spiritual gift. Well, here's another question. What's the difference between spiritual gifts and talents? There is a difference. All right, spiritual gifts are specifically given to you to be used in the church, whereas talents are passed down by your parents and can be used outside the church. Although, you should also use your talents in the church. Amen? For the Lord. Use your talents for the Lord. So talents would include uh, musical abilities, acting, business prowess, artistry, knowledge in a particular field, you know, the list goes on and on, all kinds of talents, you know, you might say, well, my spiritual gift is working on cars. No, that's not a spiritual gift, all right, there's, there's nothing spiritual about working on cars, that, that would be a talent, you might have an aptitude for cars, you might, you might know uh, how to take apart a car, you know every part of a car, and that would actually be uh, a skill, a talent, it's not a spiritual gift, okay? It's not a spiritual gift. And so we have to understand this is a spiritual gift, this is a talent, and again, you can use your talents for the Lord. You can use your talents in the church. I mean, we've got a choir where, you know, we sing. So singing is not a spiritual gift. It's, it's a talent. And so you use that talent for the Lord. The band played this morning. Playing an instrument is talent, you know, that, and it takes skill, that's why we practice. And so you have uh, the talents, and it's so important that, you know, I'm sure everyone here, everybody has talent, right? Everybody has some kind of talent. Everybody's good at something, and you probably know what that is. So now, uh, that's good, but now we come to spiritual gifts. It's the same thing. Everybody has a spiritual gift. You just have to know what it is. You just have to find out what it is so you can use it 
uh, to edify the body of Christ. Now, uh, we want to talk, uh, we've talked about the seven uh, spiritual gifts, and we've talked about what they are, and hopefully you have something in mind for what yours is, or you might say, well, I think it would be this one or that one, but again, if you're not sure, that spiritual gifts test, that might help you out a little bit. Uh, so we've talked about those, but what about those sign gifts? We have the sign gifts, what we call them, and for this, let's uh, uh, take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, we're, we're going to look at these sign gifts and uh, talk about them and see what the Bible says about them and, and uh, well, find out the truth about them. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4, says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit withal. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Uh, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, you might have noticed a few in there that weren't in Romans 12, right? A few things. Let's see. Healings, uh, and then miracles, speaking in tongues. What, what are these? Well, these are... These are uh, these are what we call the sign gifts. So we call that because they are specifically they were specifically used for unbelieving Jews of that time, of that day, but they died off with the apostles. Now I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain because let's, let's go through these. So we've got these three sign gifts. The first one here is healings. Healing. So this was the ability to supernaturally heal infirmities with a simple touch or a word. And we see Peter and Paul both healing in the book of Acts. Uh, Pentecostal preachers today, uh, such as Benny Hinn, have, they've held faith healing crusades in which they miraculously heal people. You know, you'll have some guy come up in a wheelchair, he'll roll up in a wheelchair, and, and Benny Hinn will say, be healed or something, or maybe smack him. Uh, and he'll stand up, I'm healed. All right, I'm healed. Okay. So, it's very interesting, because it's strange that the Apostle Paul never held healing crusades, isn't it? He never had healing crusades. Uh, he, he would do it if the need arose. There, there might be someone who needs healing, and, and he was there, and he was able to uh, heal them by the power of God, so he would do that. And you will never see these faith healers at the hospitals, but they love to pack out those huge venues, right? They love to have a huge crowd where they can get in front and heal everybody and, and um, you know, show off their healing powers. And what's sad is that so many people fall for it. You know? So many people fall for that. Nowhere in the New Testament does the Bible endorse going to a faith healer to be healed if you're sick. You don't see that. Instead, what you see 
is that the Bible endorses prayer. Okay, so for this, let's go to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. James 5, verses 14 and 15. And see what you should do if you need healing. James 4, verses 14 and 15. It says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the faith healer. Is that what it says? No. Let him call for the elders of the church. Now that would be the pastors of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. All right, and we actually do that in our church. If somebody specifically wants that, they want to be anointed with oil, the pastors will do that, and they pray over him. And then it says, And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sin, they shall be forgiven him. So what you see in this verse is that if you need healing, then the answer is prayer. To have your pastors come and pray over you, and if, if you want, it's, it's, uh, the anointing with oil is uh, kind of another step. It's very serious. If you're having major surgery or something, or you really want uh, some very important prayer, you come to the pastors, and they do that with you privately, and they anoint you with oil, and they pray over you, and it says, the Lord shall raise him up. The, so the Lord's the one that does the healing, amen, through the prayer of God's people. And so that's what we find in the Bible today. What we find is, a, what we find is that the healings has been uh, done away with. I do have to say that there could be exceptions, right? There could be exceptions that the Lord could use someone to miraculously heal someone. But really, uh, that, that's, that's been done away with. That's been done away with. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't heal anybody. Boy, that'd be great. But, but the Lord, what he uses is prayer. That we pray to the Lord, and God is the one who heals the sick. So we have healings, and then next we have working miracles, working miracles, and of course, that's the ability to uh, work miracles, do great things, uh, supernatural things, even raise the dead. Well, wouldn't that be nice if we could do that? Uh, but once again, uh, here we have Peter and Paul in the book of Acts, they both raised the dead, they both worked miracles in the book of Acts. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 here. And we know that 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. You know, it's all about love. And, uh, but I want you to see what the Bible talks about here, starting in verse 8. In verse 8, it said, uh, Charity is another word for love. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So here we see that prophecies fail, tongues cease, knowledge vanishes. So these gifts, they're going to come to an end. It's over. Uh, but he says that which is perfect. And when he says that which is perfect, that means that's the complete canon of Scripture. That which is perfect is come. The scripture is complete. The canon is complete. The book of Revelation was the last book of the Bible. All right, we don't hold to the Apocrypha or the Gospel of Judas or the Gospel of whoever. All right, the book of Revelation, that was it. Canon of scripture is complete. So he says when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part 
shall be done away. That which is done in part. Well, we could say that would be the sign gifts. They're no longer needed. They're no longer needed. That, that canon of Scripture is complete. That which is in part shall be done away. And then notice verse 11. Verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So while in its infancy, the church needed the sign gifts, and again, only for unbelieving Jews, and we'll get more to that in a second, uh, but as the church matured and it spread across the world, it would no longer need those gifts. The childish things, the sign gifts, have been put away. They've been put away. Uh, they're, 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 they're over. And they died off with the apostles. They're not necessary anymore. And again, once again, there could be exceptions. There could be God can still, God can still work miracles and he can still do it through somebody. Uh, you know, uh, but we have to understand that that is the exception and not the rule that God uh, has chosen to be done with these because God has the Word of God. The Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and he hearing by the Word of God. It is through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working in someone's heart that they, they are convicted of their sin and they are saved. And so we don't need the, the miracles anymore to be working. And um, I will, well, I think it's important to explain. We're going to get to tongues in just a second. But, uh, you know, the, the miracles, the reason why God used miracles, and we see that in the book of Acts, was because this was a completely, the church was a completely brand new thing. And uh, the Jews had no idea, they had no idea what was going on. So, of course, you, you see things in the book of Acts that we really don't have today. And things that the Pentecostals, you know, hold to you have the... Uh, the receiving of the Holy Ghost comes on somebody. And again, the reason why we have all of that there in the book of Acts is because the Jews needed to see. The Jews needed to see that the gospel was not just for them, it was also for the Gentiles. And so God allowed that to happen. Oh, the Gentiles have received the Holy Ghost too. I guess the gospel is for them as well. And God allowed that to happen because they just couldn't, they couldn't understand. They, they were so focused on, well, we're the Jews, we're God's chosen people, and God had to make it clear to them, no, the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for the whole world. And so there you have seeing them, seeing Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost. You have the speaking in tongues, which we'll get to in a second. You have working of miracles, raising the dead, all these things assigned to unbelieving Jews of that time. So they would see, okay, I see God working. I see God uh, saving the Gentiles. The gospel must be for everybody. And so that was a very important time, again, because the church was brand new at the time. But, of course, all of that as the church continued to grow, the apostles died off, the sign gifts were no longer needed. All right. Now we get to speaking in tongues. I could preach a whole message on speaking in tongues. So I'm just going to break it down, really, uh, just really break it down. We have speaking in tongues. The Pentecostals, or you could say the Charismatics, they advocate speaking in tongues. They talk about receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. They talk about the second blessing. However, they will tell you that their speaking in tongues is, is some kind of heavenly language that only they know, all right? Uh, they will also, well, they, they, I, they do some very strange things. Some, some, and I, I can't say this about all Charismatics or all Charismatic churches, but uh, I know that some of them, they will, they will bark in the spirit. They will uh, have some kind of spasm where they roll on the floor. Uh, they, they'll do some weird things, some very uh, dramatic things. 
you know, and uh, really just draw attention to themselves. It, well, is any of this biblical? All right, well, that takes us to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Thank God for this, this uh, chapter. It's all about tongues and speaking in tongues. And, and as usual, the Bible has all the answers. The Bible tells us exactly, it makes it clear what's going on here. And I want you to notice what the Bible says about speaking in tongues. So first, notice that uh, tongues were a known language. They were not some heaven, heavenly babble. They were an actual language. Verse 2, he says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. All right, so nobody understands him now. Now, I think this is the verse they usually take out of context, but Acts chapter 2, you have the... Uh, Everyone speaking in tongues, Acts chapter 2, after they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, uh, the, the Jews there, uh, the, the, the people there, they start hearing all these languages. And they start, and there's all these different dialects and languages they hear. And it says in Acts 2.11, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were hearing it speak, spoken in their own language, in their own language, not some mysterious language, but it was in their actual language. So that's, that's a very important thing to understand is speaking in tongues is uh, speaking in an actual language. And uh, also there had to be an interpreter, and not everyone could speak at once. Look at verse 27, uh, 27 and 28 of 1 Corinthians 14. It says, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret... But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God, all right? So he says, uh, yeah, you need an interpreter. People need to know what you're saying, okay? And if not, keep it to yourself, you know? Keep it to, if nobody can interpret, keep it to yourself. And, uh, you know, a lot of these charismatic churches, there'll be a speaker and then somebody will stand up and start speaking something and, and somebody else might start speaking something and... And you don't know what they're saying. You know, you don't know what you're saying. It's just uh, as they feel led. And they start, they start speaking some language. And, and uh, now, that's really just confusion and chaos. Because we don't come to church to just hear everybody just start speaking, right? We come to church to hear the Word of God preached. And so that's, that's very important. Now, if, if, no one, um, if no one knows, then if no one knows what you're saying... It's pointless, right? If I were to speak in, in another language that nobody knew, well, none of us would be helped. None of us would be helped. You'd be like, amen, I think maybe that was, I don't know what you said. You know, if I were to speak, you know, German or French or something, nobody would be helped. You have to understand what's being said. And so that's very important. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Here it says, uh, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. Now, he says, what, what's going to profit you? And then verse 11, he says, Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. You know, he says, if I... Well, it's just like a barbarian. It's just like a, some person on the other side of the world. I have no idea what you're saying. And it doesn't help me one bit. Also, 
This is kind of this is kind of the verse. This is the verse. Uh, verse 22. Verse 22. Here is as clear as it can be that tongues were a sign for unbelievers. Verse 22 says this, Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, not to Christians, but to them that believe not, but prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So right there you have him clearly stating, yeah, tongues are for them that don't believe. All right, and that's what we see again in Acts chapter two, where they're speaking in tongues, and what happened? All, all the all the people there, all the Jews there, said, "Wow, we're hearing them speak in our own languages. This is amazing." Three thousand people got saved, and that was a big part of it. Was that miracle of the speaking in tongues, hearing their own language there, they could understand what was being said, and so they were a sign for those unbelieving Jews. All right, so in other words, tongues are really not. They're not for the church. You know, they're for unbelievers. And then it says here, um, at the end of the chapter here, if you want to, the very last verse, verse 40, it says, let all things be done decently and in order. You see, God is not the author of confusion. God desires that there is order in the church. Everything should be done decently and in order. So, You've noticed that we have an order of service, that we, we start with a hymn, we have word of prayer, we have another hymn, we have the announcements, the offering, we have an order of service, so everything is done orderly, that's the way it should be, and if the pastor were to get up and start preaching, and then somebody else started giving up and, and say something, and, and someone else started getting up, and they want to say something too, well, it, it, would, just be, uh, it, it would just be chaotic. Right? It'd just be chaotic. And that's not the way it should be in the house of God. Things should be done decently and in order. And once again, when it comes to speaking in tongues, the charismatics, they do have it all wrong. They've got it all wrong. Their speaking in tongues is not an actual language. It's just some heavenly, heavenly language that only you understand, but God understands. And it's all just uh, dramatic. It's theatrics to be seen and... and and I'll, I'll tell you, it's, it's not of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit, you, you'll see the Charismatics emphasize the Holy Spirit, and that's all they emphasize, the power of the Holy Spirit. But what did Jesus say? Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will emphasize me. The Holy Spirit emphasizes Jesus. And so that's very important to understand. So we have to understand that speaking in tongues was, again, just for, us, just for a short time, and then it was done away with died off with the apostles, so we don't have that. And, and boy, it would be awesome if I could just start speaking Spanish out of the blue, which I don't know Spanish, but if I could just start speaking Spanish, that'd be awesome, but I can't do that. Uh, we don't have that ability anymore. We don't have that spiritual gift anymore. All right, so we've come now again, once again, to back to the seven spiritual gifts. And let me remind you of the purpose of the spiritual gifts. The purpose is first to glorify God and also to edify the church. You actually see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and look at verse 12. In verse 12, he says, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you're zealous of spiritual gifts. You want spiritual gifts, and that's great. 
and you should want spiritual gifts. I wish I had them all, but I don't. You want spiritual gifts, and you want to use them. That's great. But he says, make sure you use them to the edifying of the church. Use them to further the work and the ministry of your local church. Every person. Every person should be using their spiritual gift here so this body can function properly. We can be working properly to the glory of God so that our church can do the most our church can do the most it can do. We can do the most ministry we can do for the Lord. We need everyone using their spiritual gift. We need everyone to work together. So let me ask you as we close, do you, do you know what that spiritual gift is? You might say, man, I've got the gift of mercy. I've got the gift of teaching or I've got the gift of exhortation or whatever it might be. Uh, use it for the Lord. And maybe, maybe, you know, you have talents. Maybe you can sing. Well, then sing for the Lord. You know, use your talents for the Lord. But of course, we're focused tonight on spiritual gifts, knowing what that is and using it for God, using it to further the work of the ministry. And it's so interesting that in the book of Ephesians, look at Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. And verse 11 is talking about the local church, and it's talking about, and he, this is referring to God, he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There it is again. You know what these verses are saying? Is that the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists that we have in our church, you know, we're going to have an evangelist coming next week. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, these are God's gift to the local church. These are God's gift to you. Because God is the one who calls pastors and evangelists and missionaries and teachers. And so that's God's gift to the local church. Pastors, uh, preachers are God's gift to you. And then it says what? Why? For the perfecting of the saints. And and really, uh, it's not just the preachers. God wants you to use your spiritual gift to help perfect the saints as well and to help build up the church. So the perfecting of the saints is because that means we become more Christ-like. We're growing in our walk with God for the work of the ministry. You know, you, you don't have to go to Bible college to work in ministry. Everyone should be working in ministry, the ministry of your local church. You know, we, we have a lot of ministries here at our church. We have a soul-winning ministry that goes out every Saturday morning. Boy, we sure, we sure could use more people coming out soul-winning. Uh, we have a prayer ministry. We, we, the, the, tender, uh, the TLC ministry is a great ministry of prayer and the prayer line and, and uh, all kinds of ministries that we have that you can get involved in okay, working behind the scenes. We have a Sunday school ministry that you can help with. All kinds of ministries. So the work of the ministry and then for the edifying of the body of Christ, that's what it's all about is is building up the body of Christ. So the body of Christ, so that we function better and better and better. Our our church should work so perfectly. It's like a perfectly healthy, athletic body. You know, I I say an athlete because athletes are like in the peak of physical health, right? Everything's working perfectly. Uh, And so that's the way the church should be. The church should be, it's the body of Christ 
working together for the work of the ministry. And that, that's so important. What, whatever your gift is, you need to find out what it is, and you need to use it. You need to get plugged in to this church. Get plugged in, serving the Lord so that we can further the work of the ministry. And so again, if you're not sure, you might say, I have no idea. I don't think I have any of those gifts. Well, you do. But you might, you might be in the dark, right? You might be in the dark. Well, uh, I would encourage you to ask, ask the people that know you best. Ask them, ask them hey, what do, you think, what, what do you think my spiritual gift might be? Because they, they might know. And then uh, let me encourage you to get to the, the back table back, that, back there. We have a spiritual gifts test. So really, if, if you're not sure, take it and take it home and fill it out. And that'll, that'll, uh, m- that might help you. That might help you. And pray and say, Lord, show me what my spiritual gift is. Lord, help me to know what it is. And uh, God will show you. And so you can get involved in the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ so that this body can function at peak condition. Amen. Boy, I sure hope you know what your spiritual gift is, or gifts plural, because uh, it's interesting how, you know, sometimes you think, man, look at that guy. He's got like every gift under the sun. He, God's blessed him with all these gifts. But think about it. If you have a whole bunch of spiritual gifts, you're responsible to use them. You know, it's called stewardship. You're responsible to steward your gift and to use it for God's glory and use it for the edification of the church. So if God has given you just one gift, you say, I only have one gift. Well, make sure you use it for the Lord. If God's given you four or five gifts, you might say, I'm such a gifted person. Well, guess what? You're responsible to use those for the Lord. Use your gifts for the Lord and use it for the edification of the body of Christ. And I hope that you're doing that today. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, remember, you can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. There's a link at the end of the description of this episode. I sure would appreciate your support. And uh, and also, my website, paulrobinsonbooks.com. I want, you, I want you to know that I just started a newsletter. All right, so you can go to the home page of my website. Right on the home page, you can just put in your email, click the button, and then you'll be getting my newsletter, and it's bi-monthly. That's twice a month you'll be getting my newsletter. And what this is, it's just to keep everyone informed on what's going on. I've got a brand new book coming out this spring. Very excited. And uh, also articles and also information, and maybe even some things about my personal life and behind the scenes, all kinds of stuff. And also, it'll keep you um, informed for the podcast as well, the preaching podcast, just all these things. All these things, uh, the newsletter is all-encompassing, so please sign up for the newsletter. You just got to give me your email, and it's free. You don't have to pay anything, and 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 that newsletter is going to come right to your inbox. It's going to be a blessing. I know it is, so please sign up. Uh, really help me out. Go to paulrobinsonbooks.com and right there on the homepage, just give me your email. I sure would appreciate that. And once again, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, share it with others. Uh, let, let somebody know. Uh, share it with others. We've got quite a few episodes up now, and I sure would appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening once again. I'm Paul Robinson, and until next time, God bless you. I'm under-